0: another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. Yes. I'm here with my new friend, June Hahn. June, welcome to the show. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. June is a strategist. He does some really fascinating things that I'm personally interested in because I'm a podcaster. And your company, June, is guests. Yeah, absolutely. We'll yeah. talk about that a little bit sure, sure, toward sure. the end of the show. But that's, that's not, just work, Dr. Paul. That's, that's just work. You know what? <laughs> Come on now. And you're right. You're right. There are more important things than our work, but our yeah. work is fueled by and set up by our our experiences in life right, and right. what we learn about. I think meaningful work principles. is always that way. Hopefully it's not as disconnected, right? So can yeah. we jump right in on this? Oh, please. Absolutely. You were deported? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, you sorry, know, to, you know, the, reopen that. No, battle, but you know or, what it
0: is, Doctor Paul.
1: It's, it's. Uh, I think a lot of, lot of people have the situation where you thought things were normal for you growing up, right? Until you realize, like, you start to talk to people in college, like, you didn't move around every six months when you were little. You know, and I realized yeah. mil- military kids had that experience where they moved around a lot. Which is totally normal Which for them. Which is totally them. normal for them, but mm-hmm. I, I was not a military brat, so that's not my story. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't until, you know, I got older, I realized, okay, that's not a... And, and actually, it all made sense when I when I turned 10. So, And and I'll just admit to you, uh, a lot of what I know now about what happened in my childhood is me piecing it together in hindsight because my it was a very pain, painful chapter in our family's history, and so my parents mm-hmm. still don't talk about it. And that's a... That's a fairly typical thing, I think, for Asian immigrants to not talk about yeah. like, just the pain and suffering of being in this country or whatnot. But um, it's probably more accentuated in our in our in our story. So moved around every six months growing up mm-hmm. until I was probably eight years old. First time we had just kind of settled in a city. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So there's you know, that big break coming up. Yeah. We had this huge play date set up. Uh, for our house with the great friends of mine we so excited and then over the intercom both my brother and I, my brother is a year older than me were called into the principal's office and we're like you know we're wow. good Asian kids so there's no reason this should ever happen you hadn't been yeah, in trouble ever we had never this happened before but you know right. they, they say your names over the whole thing so we meet in the hallway oh. and my brother says what did you do well, what do you mean what did I do what did you do <laughs> right <laughs> you're the one getting yeah. me in trouble so we walk in the office and there's our mom who's normally a very gregarious kind of like lively woman mm-hmm. and she's looking very kind of demure with two men standing next to her and matching blue suits oh boy um and you know say so, hey these are friends of your dad go back to your classroom get your backpacks we need to go meet your dad now i remember as soon as we stepped out of the office my brother who's only you know, i was 10 so he's like 11 and he mm-hmm. said june we need to make a run for it which one of your friends can you hang out with until we figure out what's going on i'm going to go with my friend gene's house you why don't you go to your friend richard's house they like like you and they're I was like, what are you talking about, man? And he said, June, when's the last time our dad had a non-Korean friend, right? So these men in matching suits, one was African-American and one was white but they're wearing matching, you know, now, now we know our government issue kind of like right. suits. And he said, those right. people are no friends of our family. You need to make a run for it. I'm like, you're nuts, man. So we didn't. You know, now you think back, yeah, you know, I don't know how that Could would have been out. interesting. Yeah, it would have been. You know, how long do you live on the land so when, you're, have when, you're ten, story, yeah, when you're 10 yeah. years old, right? Yeah. Um, so we go, mom picked up dad. Then we end up in an INS detention facility for uh, about three days. But since my brother and I are citizens, because we were born here, they said, "You guys, do have a compelling case?" My dad paid taxes, which is like if you're undocumented, that's kind of the that's a strategy to when you're way in the country. That can tip the right. scale. And most people don't know that you can be an undocumented in this country, and the IRS will take your taxes. It's called taxpayer ID. For citizens, it's called oh, their wow. Social Security number. But you can file for a taxpayer ID without being a citizen. They're so happy to take happy take to your take money. your money. Happy to take your money. There you go. So uh, what I had really pieced together after the fact is that my mom came over here on a student visa, and my dad came over here on a business visa. From Korea? From Korea. By the time I was born, those visas had been expired. Oh, and I okay. think a series of poor choices had led to them kind of just, you know, if, if you're here outside of your visas, um, the standard procedure is you get booted from the country, and then 10 years later you can reapply. Oh. Uh, it's just, it it's actually depends on what country you're from.
0: Right. So, you know, if, if, right.
1: I'll just tell you if you were from Germany or France, the ten year waiting period is not ten years. It's it's different. Mm-hmm. But right. and now I'll tell you today, probably the policy of Korea is different. But back then it was the same lumping That's as like Mexico us. or Latin America all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um so uh we're in this and I'll I'll tell you growing up in a Korean family, we ate Korean food at home and things like that and you know, brought Korean food to lunch to school. Then it makes yeah, sense. The first time I ever had a sandwich. Was when we were in this Inus detention facility, so we were in jail for three days, and the only food they had was this vending machine outside oh. of our thing. So that's the first sandwich I ever had. Interesting. And I'll tell you, I don't hate sandwiches, but I also don't love them. <laughs> <You've got kind laughs> the negative yeah, attachment. It was not there. a great first intro, not a first date, great first date with me and the sandwich. Right, right, um, right. So then, it, and so I think what what the judge said, or the, what the legal clerk said, listen, you guys have a case. You can stay. But the thing is, it's a Thanksgiving holiday. The judge will be back in three weeks. (laughs) So you can stay here in jail for three weeks or tomorrow Mm -hmm. you can be on a flight to go to Korea. And so four days later, we are on a flight to Korea. And now it's all making sense that we had this huge extended family in Korea, but we had never visited them in my whole life to that point, 10 years old. Right. Um, They had never come to visit us. Mm -hmm. It's all these pieces start to fall in place. Like that's why we moved around every six months. and It's making more sense to you now that, yeah. yeah. So I lived in Korea wow. for a couple years. Um, the cultural acclimation was hard, and it'd be different if we had landed in a more kind of westernized city, which would have been the capital Seoul. Mm-hmm. But we lived in Incheon, which now is like a very modern city, uh, but back then was At all the like time. very rural, smelt like manure. Oh, Most yeah. of the years, very, you know, very. and so a lot of my friends would tell me, I haven't been back since it's become modern. They'll tell me it'll break my heart when I see it, because mm. nothing nothing is there anymore from when I was change. there. Things change, sure. Um, so in those schools back then, um, again, they had never seen anyone from America. Nutritionally, my brother and I were taller than everybody else because we grew up drinking milk and mm. things like that. And, you know, just different different uh, diet. Yeah. Um, and these were, like, country folks, so they didn't necessarily have meals every day. You know, it was, like, it was mm. a very kind of, like, more uh, lower-income uh, kind of place. Right. And, uh, and the, the kicker was they beat you in school. So uh, mm. the teachers did. So, like, if I had a math quiz, for instance, and I missed five questions, I got hit five times. or if I was in the back of the classroom being a knucklehead with my friend while someone was talking we'd go to the front of the class and we'd get hit and we'd have to like be in this like posture they call it a motorcycle stance we're crouching Mm. on the wall and they'd hit us and we'd have to be. it's just a very different now again I don't think it was like this at all in the western more like western cities and now I think it'd be hard to find schools like that in Korea today but Mm -hmm. back then it was definitely like that different educational system um, and uh so my brother and I, particularly my brother, did not adjust very well. Um, he didn't have, his, his teacher was not doing him favors. I stayed after school every day and was going from a second grade education in Korea to get, catch me up to like fifth grade is where I was at. Mm-hmm. And he was in sixth grade and his teacher was not helping him catch up. Anyways, it was a hard wow. fit. Um, so parents had to make the heartbreaking decision to say, our boys are American. They need to go back to America, you know. Oh, boy. And so the problem, though, is my brother and I, although we were great students, model students, when we we're at home, we we're like a nightmares because we're only like a year apart, basically essentially twins. Um, now, the good thing about moving around all the time was our parents had a lot of friends in different churches that, you know, in every city they had made new friends and things and like that. Yeah. were so re- in the States. Yeah, in the States. So they reached out to this broad network of Korean friends, and not a single one of them would take both of us because we were just such nightmare kids uh. together. But think about it from oh, a parent's point wow. of view. Your kids are going to a country that you can't follow them to. Because your parents weren't eligible. Yeah, they, they, they can't they can't even apply until ten years. Right. Yeah. And you're now the prospect of separating them was just heartbreaking. Uh, and so they said we don't want to separate them, but there was no there was no takers of anyone we knew. Yeah, that's all you could do. Yeah. And then unbeknownst to us, one of these pastors had sent our story into um, a, a Orange <coughs> County newspaper. <coughs> where they run a a weekly column of like, I think it's a daily column of like needs in the community. And so uh, we didn't, I mean, again, my my parents didn't know any Caucasian people. I mean, they lived in ethnic enclaves, all their social networks. But all of a sudden in one month, we were getting letters from these white families, showing pictures of them saying, we'd love to host your sons and, you know, raise them here and this and that. And we're like, what is going on? So basically a pastor had sent our story into this newspaper. And, and the day I, 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 I in, you know, later saw this newspaper column, one ask was for a convalescent village needed, like, a, a van that was wheelchair accessible. Uh-huh. And then the second story was us. Two Korean boys, American citizens, they want to be able to come back here and finish their education. Oh, wow. So we're, that's why we're getting those random pieces of mail from people that we, that we read down from... I'm just thinking of it from a parent's point of view. I can't even
0: imagine going through this process. Wow, June, as I'm listening to your story... I'm thinking, this is what has set up mm-hmm. almost everything that you do now is based on the principles that you've learned absolutely through this difficult experience that you've described. And right. you know what? That's not unique. Oh, because yeah. Because a yeah. lot of the people that I interview right. have some kind of a background, some kind of a reason for knowing what they know.
1: Yeah. You either, you either get better or you get bitter, right? And I know that's a cliche, yes. but here's a case study for you. My brother's exactly one year older than me. We had the same traumatic childhood. But he's, but he's lived outcome. his whole life feeling like the life owes him something. Wow. Life doesn't owe me anything. I got, I got you know, I got two sets of parents and, and all he can see is that, you know, our traumatic
0: childhood. I'm like, dude, we were in the same childhood. The same one, <laughs> right, with different outcomes. That sets it up beautifully, June. As we come back from this first break, Let's dig into some of the principles that it taught you and maybe how that makes a difference for you now in your business. Yeah, absolutely. Folks, this is June Hahn at Live On Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, actorpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live on Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com. June Han at Live on Purpose Radio today. June. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> As a kid, you're deported. Yeah. After you're deported, you're sent back to America yep. without your parents. Right. Living with complete strangers. Living with complete strangers. Right. You, you talk about having two sets of parents now and how that's an awesome thing. Right, and right. Some people might think, oh, how tragic, including apparently your yeah, brother. Yeah, my brother. You yeah. had a hard time with yeah. that. But it taught you some things. Sure, That sure. you've now translated into some of the key elements. right. That you can share with businesses, for example, or with individuals or producers who you're helping to strategize. Right. I know what it is. Yep. At least the way you've introduced it, and it has to do with generosity. Yeah. Can you bridge that gap for us just a little bit? How did this lead you into generosity? So,
1: I mean, first, I will say that everything I've achieved in life has been because of the generosity of others. and a a strong work ethic. I mean, you you, you know, you got to just not rest on your laurels or take things for granted. Um, And so definitely in like my story, obviously the strangers, complete strangers let us in and live with them and grafted us into their family. Mm. They didn't have to do that. They're no obligation. They don't owe us anything. That's a huge commitment. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I got three kids of my own. I don't know if I'm taking on anyone else's, (laughs) you know, anytime Mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. So, but I will tell you this as from a strategy point of view, when I started my own company, I realized, you know, business, the reason they say a business is a doggy dog world and like a shark tank kind of is because yeah. it is. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, those, those edges exist, it you know? tends to be right. right. And, the, and the reason That's they the say world. nice guys finish last is because they typically do, uh, Interesting. you know, and so I realized I, I worked in corporate America for exactly 364 days. Dr. Paul couldn't even make it to a full year. It's almost a year, Yeah, but I couldn't make it a full year. And here's why mm-hmm. I was the youngest management candidate in this fortune 20 company about three months into my job. And uh, qu- a question, question, interview question number four was an opportunity to win that promotion. But I knew mm. if I answered it one way, I was going to throw two of my coworkers under the bus, but that promotion was mine. Mm. And it's kind of what they say, prisoner's dilemma, right? Because my other two friends were also interviewing for the same promotion. So what are they going to do when they get to question number four? Right. So I knew what kind of guy I wanted to be, what kind of guy I need to look at myself in the mirror. So I answered it the way without throwing them under the bus, and I, lo- I know I lost the promotion on that question.
0: But you'd rather leave with your integrity than with
1: promotion. Some other two buddies, same thing. They all answered the same way. Uh, One of our coworkers answered it the way that you're supposed to to get that promotion. Threw us all under the bus, and she got that job. And so then I realized I was never going to be able to get my full earning potential on behalf of my family and all Mm -hmm. the charities that I support being in corporate America because I'm not good at that game. I could do it. Mm. I could get good at it, but I'm not naturally built that way. So even if I got really good at it, I'm not going to be the best at it, because it's not the way I'm built. Right. Does that make sense from yeah. a strategy point of view, right? So when I started a business, man, business is a doggy dog kind of world. Or is it? Hmm. And so start to realize like, stories like, you know, the the um, the the not the founder of Coca-Cola, but his son left, made his own bones, came back, and took Coca-Cola to be a global brand. Hmm. That guy was known in Atlanta as Mr. Anonymous because he'd do these big million dollar donations and always requested that he be anonymous, but everyone knows who he was. So they would introduce him at these charity events, like, oh. hey, and everyone here tonight, let's welcome up our favorite Mr. Anonymous, and then bring him up, right? Because um, he's that kind of generous guy. Yeah. But he's the one that took Coca-Cola global. you know. And, and so I talk about right. this in my TED Talk, I don't want to get too much into it, but, but even like someone like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, they didn't become generous after they became wealthy. And we're talking like, you know, institutional wealth, right? Their level. Right. They will tell you and they can show you specific stories. And in Warren Buffett's biography, Snowball, there, there is a moment that in an early career, he's almost done. And the only reason the judge mm. didn't come down on him hard was because of his work, the mutual charity that they are a part of. Yeah. And this is Warren Buffett before he was even a millionaire, not mm-hmm. even making a lot of money. But he'd always been that kind of guy. So for me, here's the thing. I'm a, there's two things you gotta know about me. One is I'm, I'm not necessarily a nice guy, but I'm a generous guy. And I think that difference is very important it, because yeah. they're close cousins. But if you're gonna be the nice right. guy, you're gonna avoid confrontation at all costs. And I think at that point, you're limited in your capacity to be a leader. Right. You're not gonna do tough love when you need to. You're not gonna deal with conflict early when it's right. gonna sub- sabotage your team. Right. So nice has some drawbacks to it. Generosity though, I'll tell you in San Diego I spent a lot of time networking with business leaders obviously C-level all that kind of stuff. Yes. I don't think a, if this is this is how my kids know it. at my eulogy this is how they'll know if someone knew me well or not. And my all my kids laugh and they know this. If someone comes and says, "You know, you know, you know, June's kids, I really I really loved your dad. He was such a nice guy." They will know for a fact that they don't know me very well. Uh. Because no one will say I'm a nice guy. Now, will they say I'm the most generous person they know? Absolutely. That's what you're shooting. And for. they're not the same. They really are not the same. And right. They, and let me tell you from just like a, a life hack point of view. Mm-hmm. The quickest way, like, you know, you and, you and I know people prefer to do business with people they like, trust, and respect. Like, exactly. trust, and respect, right? Yes. All things being equal, same aptitude, even same pricing, whatever, like, trust, and respect is going to win all the time. Right. Right? The quickest way to do that, if I walk into a room of strangers and I buy everyone everything or a round of gifts or I'm supporting your favorite charity, yeah. I have won your like, trust, and respect consciously or unconsciously through your generosity. Yeah, I've won that in a second. It's the quickest way to get there, right? That is so like the, the super lazy or you could say super savvy part of me that likes to hack things, get things quicker. Yeah. That's the best life hack. Is you lead with generosity, you win the like trust and respect of anyone <laughs> in any room.
0: Strangers or friends and foe alike, it doesn't matter. So so this is a pragmatic strategy <laughs> yeah, yeah, for absolutely, you. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you found that there are some definite business advantages to yeah. generosity. Yeah. I think in your in your trainings and keynotes and mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm, you do there, mm-hmm. um, there's there's four Yeah, so you know like a speaker, I have an acronym,
1: right? It's it's a simple, okay. it's, a, it's a teaching tool, right? Yeah. So, Makes so it easier in, to remember. in science and in nature, to focus and harness energy, there's a mechanism called the lens. That's how we see things. It's the basically lens. it's just basically focusing light patterns. Okay. And so it's mm-hmm. making them more pointed. So sure. for me, lens stands for leadership, expertise, network, and systems. Leadership, expertise, expertise, network, and systems. If you don't do those four things, you could be the most generous person in the world, but you're not leveraging it. You're not capturing all the goodwill that you put out there.
0: So there's a strategic element to the generosity.
1: So I call it focused generosity. So for instance, in my personal life, my wife and I support all kinds of causes and missionaries. We have too many friends, probably, in the uh-huh. nonprofit space. My wife's an educator, so we have a lot of, we have a lot of friends in that space. We support uh, tons of esoteric causes personally. Mm-hmm. Now, from my company, though, my company, we don't do any marketing or any advertising. We only do sponsorships. But isn't a sponsorship oh, yeah. the same thing? You're, <laughs> you're giving money to something to get... A podium the to exposure, express whatever, right? The presence. But but sure. How do you introduce someone that's your sponsor versus someone that's an advertiser?
0: Oh, it's a whole different. It's a whole different.
1: different thing. If if I'm talking to a, an association that has members, being a ad sponsor, like they understand that, but I don't get the same traction as from a, like a leadership, perceived leadership point of view than being a sponsor. Yeah. Because think about it, sponsors are someone that inherently, by definition, you're giving someone a donation with expectation of nothing in return. Right. Right? And you know who can do that is people that are successful. <laughs> so the research study yeah. showed that if you and I are your provider A and I'm provider B, mm-hmm. but you're known in the community for being a generous person, supports causes that may not be relevant to your business or not, but you're, just, right. you're known for being generous. If they were to survey us, like the general population, what they think about you, what they think about me, they will start making assumptions about you that may or not may not be true, but usually are true. So these are the things they'll assume about you. Hmm. That you are more of a leader than I am because you're taking a stand for a cause. Right. right. They yeah, also take, makes sense. They also assume that you're more successful than I am because you got money to spare. Hmm. Right? And then the last thing that they, they start to walk away with is that they respect you more than they respect me. Because they know what you stand for and you're trying to make a positive. You're not just like this money-sucking... Whatever, right? It's that philanthropist label that, like, wow, you're doing cool things with your money. They don't know what I'm doing with I'm my money.
0: Right. So when you look at perception, the community will always look at you as a stronger leader. That than is me. so fascinating. I'm yeah. just thinking about the dollars that we spend. Yeah. On marketing and yeah. advertising. Right. You're saying put that into a generosity right. system. Right. So think about this, Doctor Paul. Any any audience you're trying to get in front of, right? Yeah.
1: If I say, hey, listen, here's like the Leukemia Society. I might have a product that helps these families or whatever, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm just like an ad sponsor. They're going to let me push my ad in front of the audience, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe sponsor a different speaker to talk to them, but not me because I'm like this advertiser. And as an advertiser, you get received differently from an audience as well. Just the reception. They know you're shilling something,
0: (laughs) right? Right? You know what? I've got an example (laughs) of this that... Um, I was I was asked to do a keynote for an organization mm-hmm. who did not have a lot of budget to bring right. in a speaker, Right, and I knew that I had a client, a company right. that, that would love to be provides in front of that provides a service yeah, that go. would, and so yeah. it's a good match, yeah. right? This is what your company does. In I, matching I did up. that.
1: I personally did that for Verizon for three years. Wow! They they basically they um, they gave money to a nonprofit to support a conference. Yeah. But they knew that nonprofit wouldn't have enough money to bring in a real speaker. Right. If you will. I mean, and we're, we're professional speakers, so there is a difference. In, there's a fee there's, dip- right, there's a difference in what we bring to the table. Absolutely. So Verizon say, hey, little nonprofit, you're putting on a business conference or whatever, or a leadership conference. Mm-hmm. You don't have the budget to bring in a big speaker, like a real speaker. So right. what we're going to do is we're going to kick in an extra whatever dollar amount in order for you to hire June.
0: For the purpose for the of. the purpose of
1: bringing, bringing this speaker. Because we want, the, we want the conference to be better. That's exactly what my yeah. client yeah. did. Yeah, see, Paul, you got it. Putting me on. Th-
0: <laughs> now, there yeah. were, I don't know, maybe a dozen other vendors at yeah. this conference in a similar space. Sure. But guess who had the best reputation? Right, right. Just because of their
1: generosity. Yeah. And mechanically, it was the same. You showed up. There was some kind of financial exchange. Right. In order for you to be there. right. It, yes, but the reception is hundred percent different for the sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and even so, they're saying, uh, um, you know, so again, look, when you get introduced to an audience as a sponsor, they want, hey, everyone, let's bring up the sponsor. Let's have a couple words from our sponsor
0: because
1: it implies helping yeah. to make all of this yeah.
0: possible. Yeah, so I'm
1: gonna get up there and say, great say something great. That you're having. Are they letting any advertisers come on the on the podium right up front and do whatever? No, not without a lot of disclaimers. Right. Now, I'll tell you what. Another thing as a sponsor, sometimes you're able to give out awards at these award banquets, Mm -hmm. you know. And so usually you're just up there and you take a picture with whatever. Now, a little thing I do is they know who the recipients are usually in a week in advance. I look up something about them and I say, hey, and it's sort of making this boring. It's a it's a boring part of the show. You get up there, take a picture. Everyone claps, whatever. I'm like, hey, can I say something inspiring about each person that comes up? that'd be great yeah I did some legwork here I interviewed you know I I did Did some research on five of these people nice and there's all of them this is why they're getting this award and Mm -hmm. now it becomes content instead of just a formality of the thing but who's saying these nice things about that person well that's Mm -hmm. me and every time I'm up there, people are like, why is he up there? Oh, because he's a sponsor. It's just reinforcing in their head, this guy's a good wow. dude. He's doing great things. He's magnanimous.
0: I hope I get his autograph before we leave. <laughs> you know June? You're one of these guests yeah, that, you know. that brings something to the table on this podcast that yeah. I was kind of secretly thinking, oh, I... I hoped that was true. <laughs> right? But you validated right, right, that right, right, because right, right. I think everybody knows that it's good to be generous. Sure. Why? Well, for moral, ethical yeah, yeah. purposes, and, and I whatever.
1: And I think that's fine for your personal philosophy. Yes. But in business, that you can't talk to me like that in business. Because how do, right. I, how do I chart karma?
0: Like, Is, I know, is that, is that going to come right. back
1: this year or is it going to come back 10 years from now or when I die? when i die it doesn't help my roi this year for my marketing budget
0: right right so so
1: from that's why the lens model is really important because if you don't do that you know you're not catching that generosity within oh, that fiscal
0: year yes june how can people get a hold of you or learn more about this, this yeah, I mean, lens yeah. tool so for so their check generosity. out check out the
1: ted talk if you look up get ahead by giving back
0: get ahead yeah. by giving get back a, get
1: ahead by giving back on ted ted you'll, you'll it'll, it'll pop up Okay. Um, Probably then, on YouTube. Too. Yeah, yeah. And we have a book coming out later this year. Uh, my day job is June at guest J O O N at awesomeguest.com. Um, I'm just nice. I just give that out because it's the email I check most often. <laughs> uh, wonderful. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, Doctor Paul. If if anyone emails me, uh, I have two interns. One okay. intern in the first half of the day checks all my emails. Mm-hmm. And if there's a subject line that does not indicate, for instance, for you, if it doesn't say you know, Gina Awesome can and if the if the subject line doesn't say Doctor Paul in the subject line, I will never see that email. It'll get deleted. Uh-huh. And I have another intern. The second half of the day, that's all she does as well. Their job is if I see an email that I wasn't supposed to see, they get a talking to.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know, so if someone really I mean, has a question, to to about that yeah. System, if someone has a question, they need to put in the subject headline like, question from Doctor Paul or something about Doctor Paul in the Be subject line. Be very headline. specific
0: yeah. about this or else, conversation. Or else it's gone. I'll never okay. see it. But otherwise, you'd be happy to yeah, respond. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. June, thank you for what course, you've contributed. Of course, man. This is an honor. I, lo- I
1: love your honor. show. I told you I listened to all these episodes before I came on. Oh, and I'm um, I, You know, I felt like, okay, this is the standard. I got to live up to it. So hopefully, you know, I'll, I'll let my kids be the judge of that. Hey, here's, <laughs> here's five interviews. You tell me
0: how I did. There you go. <laughs> well, folks, you've heard it from June Han. Hopefully, you got as much value as I did from this conversation today. It is time now to go live on purpose.